Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast, and we've got nine games for you on an NBA Thursday here. We are coming off of a 5-5 five and five night, 3-2 and two in the best bets, though, so we continue to roll along. Up more than 28 units for you on the season. Also want you to head over and check out the uh, play a props video that we have up for you today on top of the best bets we're bringing you here each and every weekday so definitely like and subscribe to that page also head to the lines.com use that odds finder tool that we have up there make sure you're getting the best juice available to you from all of these books giving us bets this nba season nate let's stay hot here and finish this week really well with your first nba best bet yeah another uh money line parlay here after we got that magic lakers parlay last night probably could have done the spread with both of them winning handily uh but let's play it a little safer here because i mean the general angle um let me get into it in a second let me just give you the pick bucks Knicks, and nets money line parlays all our favorites by at least eight um but it gets you minus 118 when you take all three and we're targeting broken teams here two of which are on the road uh, the Hornets without LaMelo Ball almost have no chance of putting an offense together. And, I mean, the Bucks already own the Bulls, and the Bulls are, are basically quitting at, at this point. They're just waiting for Zach Levine to be traded. He's questionable. Along with DeRozan and Caruso, uh, that, that Bulls team is absolutely broken. But I'm I'm reluctant to take the spread on any of these because, uh, I, I mean, at least the Bucks and Knicks are two nights removed from uh, what we would call, like, run it up the score, run up the score night where everybody had to go all out to swing by as many as possible. I mean, the Bucks just needed a win against the Heat, but the Knicks had to play a lot of their guys. They had to go all out for a 20-plus point win, uh, which Josh identified there with the alt spread at one point. Uh, but now, you know, we're going to see a more of a normal game environment where they're just trying to win. They are minus 14 and a half against the Pistons, who are going to mess around and lose a 16th straight game here. I just sure. don't think they can get off the schneid here. They've lost 12 straight to the Knicks. The Knicks just straight up, take care of business against sub 500 teams three and oh this year uh nine and two as a favorite versus one and five as a dog this year also three and oh with the rest advantage and the pistons played last night i mean we don't have numbers for sub 25 percent win percentage but that's what the pistons are uh worst record in the league at this point have no real advantage to speak of because they can't hit threes or even get good looks from threes and the knicks uh, can guard the paint so that's that one Lamella ball out. I mean, where are the Hornets going to get their offense? They scored 91 against these Knicks in their first game without Lamella this year. They are now 28 and 47 without him since the start of 21. Um, they on the road this season, even with Lamella, they have two wins. One came up by one point with Indiana back to back. Nice, fast paced game. Washington also nice, fast paced game. Uh, but their negative net on the road, 124 rating. The, the Nets have won six of their last seven at home, the exception to Embiid. And those Sixers, uh, Nets are not going to be playing fast and loose. They're going to be playing well, uh, solid de- de- defensive ball. And their offense is kind of humming now with Dinwiddie, a true point guard there, setting up bridges. So trust the Nets to handle their business. And then, yeah, like I said, the Bulls, man, 1-8 and eight in their last nine, 2-7 and seven against the spread, 28th in net rating, playing at a pretty slow pace. But Milwaukee... Can, can speed them up. I mean, that's a, that's a reason to be concerned about the spread, I guess, is the pace that Chicago could play with at home. But Milwaukee, I mean, own them, own everybody in that division. Three, one, three in a row, despite Giannis missing almost all of two of those, he got injured in one. Um, and they've, they've sort of figured some things out lately. I mean, in their last nine, they're number two in net rating 
here in the league. And despite playing some really good teams, Dame now back to his clutch stuff. If it is close, I trust Dame to pull pull it out in the fourth quarter. Looks like they're gonna have Middleton tonight. Uh, so yeah, give me give me all three of those teams to just handle business. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I I actually hadn't seen originally. Uh, that was one bet that we hadn't spoken about the the three teams that you took there. I, I like all of it. I, I can't see. I don't who who messes that up, right? Like who I I can't see it. I guess somebody goes Terry, scary. Terry goes crazy for Charlotte. I guess I I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the one. Obviously, the other two teams I think are better overall teams than the Bucks and the Knicks. And there's probably bigger disparities between those two and their opponents. I, I think Chicago's a bottom three team in the league. I don't, I don't think you can really argue much of that unless they're going to pull out of the rut they've been in for nine straight games, really eleven to twelve straight games, to be honest. Plus, we don't even know if Levine's going to be on this team, et cetera. We don't even know who's going to play in that game for them tonight with all three, uh, Levine, DDR, and uh, Caruso, all questionable, as you mentioned. We, this this could go up. So I'm going to go into my first bet. And, I mean, we, we were kind of haggling with parlays and, and, and money line parlays here. But I'm actually going to just take that uh, Milwaukee minus eight and a half at this point. I think you can still actually get some minus eights. I'm not scared of it. You, you kind of touched on it. Um, I would. I'm thinking at this point, dude. Like you made the the nice bet. My first bet should just be the uh, parlay of the the OKC and Milwaukee lines. Like I, I'm comfortable with both those teams winning. So I think we're just gonna say, uh, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. I think 0.3 units sounds right for um taking that and getting a really nice pickup on your juice there for for both of those teams to cover their spreads. Like I I just want to. I'll add a, f- a few things to what you said and then just touch on the LA game for one sec. But like as far as the Milwaukee game goes. I just the the Bulls are are, are they're cruising for a bruising man, and they're going to continue going that route. The way that they keep it close is they do just make it so incredibly gross and choppy, and that's what we saw in last game. They only won by nine points. The the um, Bucks did. They weren't the Bucks yet. I mean, they're continuing to get better. We've been saying this since the start of the season, which was fade the Bucks covering big spreads until they figure something out. And in the last few games, they definitely have. Uh, you mentioned that defense has definitely come back to life. Well, I'm sorry. It's just started it being alive. Let's put it that way. It never didn't have to come back. It was never there. And now it's starting to like shape into, okay, this is how we cover up the spots where we are weakest, especially on the wing against the three, um, which is not really something that I'm concerned with with the Bulls. If you're going to beat the Bucks, you got to have some really good scoring guards. And I just don't see that being the case for them in this game. Um, I'll just move on real quick to the, the Lakers game because I think the five and a half is fine. I thought it was going to go higher um, once it opened at six, and it's actually just stayed right around five and a half, six points on most books for the Thunder to cover um, that against the the Lakers. But the Lakers are on the back to back. I get that, like the they blew the Pistons out of the water yesterday, so that LeBron only had to play twenty eight, AD played twenty nine, D'Lo went bananas and played like thirty five minutes and had uh, thirty five points or thirty four minutes and thirty five points. So I, he's still probably fine to play tonight. Um, but the thing that really gets me about the benches or about the the back to back for LA, so that they're tired legs. Two things: one, they have no bench. That's huge. That means that there is no rest in a game that they're going to need rest. So, yeah, okay, LeBron and AD could be good for 34 to 35 minutes. That's already pushing it with those two dudes. But they're going to need to play 38 to 39 because OKC has the best bench in the league. The dudes they're bringing off the bench would start on a number of teams. That's why they have the best net rating of any bench unit at this point. The Lake Show are at 22nd. And they weren't always that bad, but that'll happen when you don't have Rui Hachimura, you don't have Gabe Vincent, you don't have um, Jared Vanderbilt, you now no longer have Jackson Hayes, who left last night's game, and that meant you saw more Hood Shafino, and I'm not going to rag on the Rook too hard, 
but I am going to say that he had a minus 128 individual defensive rating playing against other scrubs in the backups for the Detroit Pistons. And that wasn't a great uh, indicator that he's going to bring much tonight to give AD any kind of blow. So they're getting cooked by uh, point guards that are of Shea Gilgis Alexander's uh, sort of elk, elk, if you will. Not that like you can really replicate what he does. He's going to be the best at it. But a number of scoring guards who are sort of, you know, guys like Fox, going off on them, Maxi, Kyrie, all those dudes scoring more than 28 points than them in their matchups with them this season and, and just in the last two weeks, uh, especially, like I said, without Gabe Vincent in there. Torian Prince is going to be playing a lot of D on point guards. Don't love that matchup. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and just fade the, the team here that is just going to have old, tired legs at the end of the game, basically. Yeah, definitely like OKC here with the depth you mentioned. And, and that was before they had Jalen Williams back. So, I mean, after missing a couple. So that helps their their net rating off the bench. Now you got Isaiah Joe playing more minutes with that second unit. They're really going to be missing Jared Vanderbilt, the Lakers, in this matchup as they try to deal with SGA. Like you said, there's just there's no answer. His, his points prop has crept up to 32 and a half now. Um, still don't hate it. I mean, there's a different way to just play this game, which is his overs. Maybe some AD unders. Uh, I think AD's props are way too high for this matchup. The assumption being he's stronger than Chet and he's going to bully him, I guess. Uh, but Chet holds his own at times if you go right at him. And AD is shooting just dreadfully from the perimeter. So uh, I don't know if the Lakers are going to find enough offense to keep pace with this this really good team at home. Um, so Portland at Cleveland. And it might be scary to take some points with Portland. But I will take their team total, 102.5, very, very low at a Cleveland defense that is a bit overrated this year. It is closer to average than it was last year. Agreed. And you actually get better juice if you take just both teams to get to 102, um, which is minus 110. I, I think the Cavs will be fine. They're not going to get held under 100 at home against a bottom team. But the, the look here with Portland is that you're getting value because their, their offense was truly the worst in the league when Malcolm Brogdon missed a few games. He's been back for four. They, they're scoring 111. They're shooting 44% from three. And they actually just beat the Pacers. Um, uh, so, and, and Jeremy Grant has been unlocked. He's getting 28 a game with Brogdon on a really efficient rating where, versus, you know, he was getting his points before that. But it was not efficient whatsoever. It was just, you know, bulk shooting. They, they went under 104 straight before they got Brogdon back, including, you know, they, went, they had 95 against this Cavs team. Because they were starting Tumari Kamara, um, you know, whoever the hell that is, basically something. Correct, correct. Uh, so the Cavs, uh, you know, they're they're a team that again, I'm looking at this look that they went all out for point differential to beat the Hawks two nights ago. They still gave up 105 uh, because their defense is just simply not that good. Since that, since that um, win over the Blazers when they didn't have many guys, they've allowed 112 a game. Uh, at home this season where they were, you know, lethal defensively last year. They're 5-5. Five and five. They have the 12th best defensive rating. They're playing faster, nearly 100 pace. They're 24th in opponents' three-point shooting, not forcing turnovers, allowing free throws. You know, all, everything's just about average. And for an average NBA score to be 103, um, like, that's well well below average. That's like Minnesota at home, like what you're about to talk about. When you have the Jazz on the road at Minnesota, that's the only way I'm expecting – a team really to go under a hundred if they have their guys and Brogdon right now is, is the engine for this offense. Um, you know, whatever you want to say about the Blazers not being that competitive. Yeah. 
Um, uh, first things first, though, I won't hear any Tamari Kamara uh, slander on this podcast. I saw him play live in Vegas on the Suns, and then he was a part of that whole trade. He's actually going to be a nice player. Get, play this tape up, uh, back in like three years, and we'll talk about it then. Uh, but more importantly, I, I love your play, dude. I really do. I love the idea of finding because I was looking at like, how do I fade this casting? My first thought really was, okay, I got to fade DeAndre Ayton against one of the best defensive, you know, front courts in the league always. And then I looked at it and I go, wait, are they? Are they one of the best defensive front courts in the league? I don't know. Uh, DeAndre Ayton might be good for 14 points in a game that I never would have said that before. So yeah, I think it's surprising how the, the bad the Cavs are playing for them, what we expect of them on defense. They're a huge letdown right now. They're one of the more disappointing teams compared to the expectations coming in. So I am going to talk about this last game here uh, for us on Best Bets, Utah and Minnesota, under 222.5 in this game. I want to call it a lean a little bit because we need to know if Lowry Markkinen is playing for me to love this bet. I really like it without him. It's a little bit scarier with him because a 222 and a half in a game where I do think the, the, the Timberwolves, it might be a little bit closer than you think. I don't think there's too much blowout opportunity because of the fact that Ant Edwards is probably not playing. He's listed as doubtful, and that's it. He's the sun around which all of the sort of angles of this game that I could play gravitate to, right? And so um, with him off the floor right now, we don't have any numbers he's played every game, but with him off the floor in the games that he's played, the Timberwolves have a 99 offensive rating, partly due to the fact that, like, you know, their bench is really bad right now. It's, it's very uh, thin and it's not very good on offense in any way. There's no shooting uh, on the on the bench there. And they are missing a few rooks that might have helped. Not really sure. But more importantly, like there's other guys on the floor when he's not on. Like Cat and him are not always on the floor together. There's definitely some second unit minutes uh, more so for Cat, I would even say, needing sort of another big man in the back uh, end of that that team after Nas Reed. But the 99 offensive, offensive rating without him on there is just indicative of what it was last year when they just didn't let him take over when his usage rate dropped too low this team's offense was terrible and he's up to a, nearly a 31 and a half percent usage rate on the season like I said they haven't played without him yet this year I don't know what their plan is to make up for that offense without without him on the floor Utah on the other hand is just literally two different teams I, I can't even believe how different they are at home they're one and eight at, uh, on the road right now straight up and two and seven against the spread versus actually a winning record when they're at home beating like decent teams in Utah it's wild they're losing by 16 and a half. It's more just wild how awful they are on the road. Losing by 16 and a half points per game. They're scoring 106 points per game on the road versus the 120 that they put up at home. And they actually play slower on the road um, as well. I'm sorry. No, th yeah, they do play slower on the road. Thank God, which helps our bet here. But they do play a little bit more slowly on the road. Um, and without marking it in there, like, man, they're going to see a lot of Jordan Clarkson tonight. And he and rookie Keontae George are not working very well together. Um, and I'm actually blaming that way more on Jordan Clarkson than I am on Keontae George. Uh, their two-man lineups right now are really bad. When you add Markinen in there for their three-man lineup, it's a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, this is just not a situation where I expect a ton of points between the awful, awful, let's call it the putrid road uh, offense for Utah and just the stale offense without Ant for Minnesota. Yeah, and Utah's offense is going to be stale without Markinen, um, for sure. I mean, I, I guess if you, if you want to bet it now and hope that he's out, then, then you're good. I think, yeah, either way, you point out the Utah numbers. I really should have put Minnesota in that as the fourth leg in that money line parlay. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe you guys prefer it over OKC, which there there is a little variance. You know, you never know. LeBron and AD coming off a blowout win, got a little more rest. Maybe they won't be their typical um, lackadaisical selves on a back-to-back -back here. 
in OKC. But Minnesota losing at home to this Utah team that has one road win that's routinely been held under 100 on the road and is now facing the best defense in the league by far when they're at home. Minnesota, even with Ant out, they're going to find a way to win this game uh, on the defensive end of the floor, especially if Laurie Markkinen's out, then you're just sitting pretty at what's plus 135 with those four money lines um, that we mentioned at the top. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's some bets to be made. I don't know if you're going to get some weirdness or not tonight, but there's just some really, really obviously uh, big different, um, some big blowout opportunities basically tonight, which is what indicated by these spreads. But Nate, let's just get right into it and give us your first NBA play up prop here. Wemby stakes, baby. First Wemby of the year for myself. I've been guarded in my expectations for this young man. I think it takes some time to get used to the NBA, but I'm starting to see uh, signs that he is he is becoming a huge problem for the opposition and, and finally getting I mean even though the minutes haven't necessarily been there he's averaging 22 and 12 in his last three with three blocks that that includes you know a 25 minute outing at Denver in a blowout where Jokic was just you know embarrassing him but now back home uh, where he's averaged like more young players he's gonna average more at home 20 a game nearly 10 rebounds, playing three more minutes per game, also more assists and blocks. I know you'd like to tack on the assists perhaps here against Atlanta, which is very generous um, all around in terms of assists and points. Um, I think I like the juice on the blocks, plus 140. I mean, the average is three blocks at home or or more. And Atlanta's actually like fifth in opponent's block rate. Trey will go in there, try his floater, and then realize – Oh my God, that guy has an 11-foot wingspan, and I cannot get it over him. Um, I mean, the shooting struggles, I I still don't know what to make of it because of that wingspan. Like, nobody's bothering his shot. He's shooting 25% from three. Uh, But I think it it could come around. I mean, I mentioned those numbers. If If you do it just per 36, he's averaging 35 points and rebounds almost with a 30% usage rate. And, you know, can he play 36 minutes against Atlanta? I, I mean, probably they're, they're not really, you know, a team that's going to bully him down low. He's, he's able to play that power forward position against smaller guys. Um, let Zach Collins deal with their centers. Atlanta right now allowing the third most rebounds in their last three. Uh, also allowing the fourth most offensive rebounds on the year. And the Wemby has 12 O-Rebs in his last five, playing at the fourth fastest pace. They allow 125 and a half a game, which, you know, expect and six, six most to power forwards, also six most rebounds to centers. So just the opportunity to get some stats here. I, I think, you know, look at his last three averages and some tougher matchups and, and say, look, this is an inflation spot. We've been targeting Hawks, Wizards, Hornets, Pacers for inflation, especially at the power forward position. Those are particularly generous um, defenses to go against. Definitely. Um, and it's similar scenario here. I'm honestly just going to run into my bet, which is from this game. By the way, I love the Wemby bet. I tried to uh, to pitch it to Nate, and he had already been looking at it and took it and <laughs> loved it. And so we're on the same page entirely with that one. Uh, like you briefly mentioned, I think I do love the points, rebounds, and assists. It's a little bit high, but he, he's going over that number still, seven of his last ten with that. And the, the usage is really what we keep looking at here, up to nearly 30%. And I was even kind of thinking, the only thing that's kind of hurting Wemby in his race for rookie of the year with Chet is that like Chet's efficiency is very, very much so better. Uh, And his is he's become sort of a volume shooter on a bad team, which is kind of what we all wanted. We were all like, don't limit him. Please don't handcuff him to play within some kind of system that is entirely non-existent. I mean, the Spurs are starting dudes out of position as like a test thing for future 
you know, rosters that they want to build. Like they're using a lot of this season as a test case and, and giving him as much volume as he wants. So love this bet. Uh, and I'm really going to the other side and just taking the Spurs to have to guard a similar style of position, if you will. Um, so DeAndre Hunter over 16 and a half points. Uh, you brought this to my attention. And I totally agree. Minus 108 on FanDuel for a full unit there. He's topped this in four straight, uh, including much tougher games than he's going to have against this Spurs down low uh, when he did that against Cleveland and Boston. It's it's also predicated on him being the dude in that position now that's going to get the, the highest usage. Jalen Johnson, after just starting to like surge up the sort of priority rankings on this team with the third most minutes and all the other kind of things that he was doing to be sort of the second most important player. Well, now they're getting those that, that type of uh, stuff from, from DeAndre Hunter. And I do think Jalen Johnson will come back and sort of reclaim it. But right now, it's DeAndre Hunter that they need playing defense uh, on the wing and and even a little bit down low and then getting out and helping them on the fast break with some size and some speed to finish around the rim. Uh, and that's why some of that stuff's gone up for him as well. His last four, which did have one Jalen Johnson game in there, he's at 22 a game, just 20% usage, but his individual offensive rating is at nearly 139, uh, which is insane. And now you sort of have the Hawks multiplier up for Wemby while well, you get the Spurs multiplier for DeAndre Hunter who are they're equally as bad at guarding that sort of position of like long athletic wing who can drive from the three-point line and can even post up make that little mid-range stuff like that so uh, eighth most points per game allowed two power forwards for the Spurs this season and then you know you've got uh, Sadiq Bey coming in getting some minutes but he's also a little bit more of a three when when you need uh, when you have DeAndre Hunter there alongside him with Clint Capella uh, so a really good spot for him to be able to play down low on the like extended baseline, if you will, as well for DeAndre Hunter, where he gets a ton of points. He likes to play in the Spurs as well. Who doesn't? But his last two versus the Spurs, we're talking about 18 points per game, 52% from the field, continuing that incredible offensive rating up around 123 for him in these games against the Spurs last season. So uh, plenty more to come for DeAndre Hunter in this game. Plenty of uh, points in like a nearly 250 point total. Uh, that's the reason we're both looking at overs for, for a couple yeah. guys, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is like is a good matchup for everyone according to the to the line we have here in terms of overs. But for Hunter, yeah, I think you rely on the fact that he's been scared about losing his job at this point. I mean, it, Jalen Johnson just came in and and took it right out of his hands to start the season. Uh, I mean, he can still slide over to that small forward spot at times, but Bogey hot off the bench. It's just like you you better play well or you're not going to have minutes anymore. Uh, in this Quinn Snyder system, you know, that kind of new sheriff in town. And he's responded by playing extremely well, extremely efficiently in his last four since JJ went down. He's got to maintain that, uh, especially take take advantage of the good matchups here. <clears throat> um, another good matchup here is Brooklyn at home against Charlotte. And I'll take Spencer Dinwiddie to stay hot. Another guy who's been playing really well in his last four. I'll go over 28 and a half points, rebounds, assists. You know, he's a, he's a guy who fills the entire the entire stat sheet in terms of those three and it's kind of hard to rely on one or the other so just group them all together here i mean 12 and a half rebounds and assists is pretty low uh but there is some variance with rebounds that i i think scared me off here but the thing here is that it's been four games without cam thomas um you know he was quiet when he came back from that ankle injury which he injured against charlotte so he didn't get to see what he did in that role by the way then he was quiet for a few because Cam Thomas was soaking up tons of usage. Ben Simmons was still out there. Both those guys are out. In nine games since, you know, averaging 18-5 and seven and a half dimes, so getting 30 PRA consistently, playing 34 minutes. You look at his last four where he started to thrive with that confidence, playing 39 minutes, getting 22, five and a half, nine and a half. Uh, and that includes a, you know, relative dud against Miami, 14-2-11. 
which is the the GOAT guarding point guards. In three non-Miami games, he has a 26% usage rate, 36% assist rate, 11% total rebounds. So very efficient piling those things up. Charlotte is bottom eight in terms of effective field goal, assists, paint points, you know, gives up production everywhere, sixth fastest pace. Uh, he went for 24-8-8 eight and eight with the Nets against Charlotte last year, and that was a gross 102-86 game. The Nets are playing a little bit better uh, offensively now. I think this this game should have more points. I mean, Charlotte has a 124 defensive rating on the road, and there's just no other options for the Nets, right? Dennis Smith Jr. is questionable. They've assigned three of their other guards to the G League and just letting the veteran go out there and play like 40 minutes uh, in, in Dinwiddie, so I'm going to keep riding with him. Yeah, that's cool. I think Cam Thomas might play. Yeah, he's playing Thursday. He said he'll play Thursday. Um, so, you know, oh. I don't know. Yeah, I did. I probably should have mentioned that off the top. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's why we have the rebounds and assists in there. Uh, yeah. That I mean, I don't think Dinwiddie's going to take a seat. That The correlation in terms of lower usage might be there. But the point is, yeah, I mean, nine games without Cam, his stats were elevated. But then the last yeah. four, you've seen him take off in terms of, like, I can run this team and Mikel Bridges being like, good, let me play off ball a little more right. and, and the Nets offense taking off that way. So, you know, I think he can still be that point guard that, that fills up the rebounds and assists. Yeah. And to be clear, Cam Thomas can say he's playing all he wants. The coaching staff can also say, no, you aren't. So we'll see how it goes. That's just a report that he gave reporters at shoot around this morning from uh, where they're, they're playing that game, which I believe is in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. So it was, it was in Brooklyn, yeah. but this is what um, we get when we do the show late enough that we get actual shoot around reports and then surprise <laughs> Cam Thomas, not really on the injury report in terms of even questionable, but he might, he might be back. I know. So funny. So funny how the NBA just loves to have its timing so freaking like weird and rigid. But at any rate, I'm going to finish things off with uh, a game that we do know most of the guys who are playing because I don't expect the Lakers to have any late scratches. But I'm taking an under for AD. You brought to my attention the, the rebounds and then we both kind of, you know, went back and forth on it. And we're like, let's go under PRA for AD. Because you can get rebounds if you want them against the OKC Thunder right now. But AD under 41.5 points rebounds and assists combined. You can get that minus 105. He's gone under this number in six of his last 10. And, and the rebounds are a big part of targeting this, where he's gone under 14 boards in seven of his last 10. He's back on his, like, is every other game stuff, right? Like we were talking about earlier. If you look at the last five, let's go. He had 40 PRA. Then he goes 46. Then he goes 27. Then he goes 48. Then he goes 30. Then he goes 48. And there's not even really that much correlation because because the teams he's doing it against are very good down low. Uh, I think Walker Kessler was there for that Utah game, even in some limited capacity. And then Detroit with Jalen Duren there is good. He went just crushed them last night, though. That wasn't even a close game. It, either way, like this is a much better team, regardless of the fact that Oklahoma City has had trouble overall as a rebounding team right now in terms of their rebound percentage. Um, they are still a top four defense in the NBA, one of only a couple teams to have a top 10 offensive and defensive ratings on, on the season. Um, and it's just it's not that it's like a terrible matchup for AD. It's just that this is very high for a guy coming off of a back-to-back where he did play 29 minutes. And, and I, I said it in the, the best bets video where I'm fading the Lakers tonight on their line as well, the spread. Like, the, the minutes that he played last night were still there. Now they have to travel to OKC. That's all the way at the bottom of the country from where they just were uh, in, in Detroit. And, and I just it's not going to be a, a opportunistic for him when he's in these situations. So the last two back-to-backs for him, uh, nine points, nine boards, zero assists versus sack. Then, I mean, and you mentioned they're playing, he's playing real minutes. Like he had 36 minutes then in this other game against Dallas on the back to back this season 10 points, 13 boards, four assists. 
um, and the points weren't there. So I think combining them, like you, you know, you were definitely suggesting as well. Um, I like the under the rebounds, under rebounds for him, just because it's like two games in a row, tired legs, potential blowout up possibilities. Just saying, I think Oklahoma City is going to come out firing after losing to Minnesota uh, and really just getting knocked out early in that that in season tournament, which I think a lot of people expected them to like come out and really d- do well in that as the type of the prototype of team that is young and could use a victory like that in the in a get a you know get a trophy of some kind essentially and a million bucks but either way like i think that's a big part of their their sort of determination tonight to beat the lakers who they're always going to bring it against um and i just i don't see ad I, I see him falling back this feels like another recession game for him and he'll continue the pattern of like well i can't have two good games in a row so i guess i gotta go under 42 here <laughs> yeah a bit of a, a bit of a front runner guy at this point isn't he i mean yeah you mentioned those detroit and jazz games those were like 35 point wins and he's putting up numbers against yeah. teams that are just like, okay, yeah, whatever, like, this is over. OKC is is not a doormat by any means. Chet is not a doormat, even though he is skinny. Like, maybe AD can overpower him a couple times. Maybe he, he comes up with a block. But in, in any case, like, I'm not trusting AD to score from the perimeter. And I am trusting OKC's overall defensive scheme and concepts under Dagnall. They're, they're like the number one defense in their last eight to ten games here. Um, so any number that includes points and assists for AD – I will gladly go under there. I dig it, yeah. And that's that's the point of adding them both to it. So that is all the time we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along, like, and subscribe. Also have those best bets up for you today. Up 30 units or so on the season for you guys. So until we see you next, happy betting.